ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Hello, hello, hello. This is Nosebleeds, the baseball podcast of WFUV. It's another week, and there's more baseball, and lots of baseball, and fun baseball, and important baseball. But again, this is Nosebleeds. My name is Dylan Balsamo. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined by my co-host today, fellow Mets beat reporter Sam Davis, and Yankees beat reporter on the other side of town, Ryan Gregware. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Uh, excited to talk some baseball. Like you said, it never stops. It just always, it always keeps going. And I think that's kind of why we love the sport, I would say. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, no, I'm doing well. It's funny because, I mean, we'll get into it in a second, but every time I'm on this week, it's like one side of the spectrum, either, you know, in the Yankees world, at least they're either all the way back or the season's over and <laughs> kind of the same this week. So yeah, it's, 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 it's from two Changes after two games, all of a sudden, the whole perception. Good good week, and then the vibes completely flip. So, yeah, I'm doing well. It's a really quick headline to do, like, just depending on, really, if the Yankees won or lost the day before. Is the Yankees season over, question mark? <laughs> Are the Yankees back, question mark? <laughs> it's just a, such a quick and easy way to go to. But on that note, let's actually start with the Yankees here, because, you know, they won two of three in this weekend series. They ended this last game with a rather – in a rather emphatic way, their third triple play of the year. They have more triple plays this season than road wins that the Diamondbacks have. It's it's incredible. It, it's it's absolutely insane. It's it's it, it's very interesting. But uh, let let's set the scene here. They are currently, I believe, five games over five hundred coming into Monday as we record this at uh, about noon on Monday. They are four and a half games back of the Red Sox in the American League East race in second place in the East. Just a half a game back of the Red Sox are the Rays. They lead the race for the second wildcard spots. The Yankees are four games behind them. But again, a two-game winning streak for the Yankees. So really, the Yankees find themselves in an interesting position right now. Sam, what did you take from this series this weekend? Well, it's, it's hard. I don't know. It's, it's very hard for me to be like fully bought in, I guess, to the Yankees like coming back. Like we talk about it. It keeps going like and then this happened, I think, literally on nosebleed. They, they played the White Sox. It was a really good series. I think they swept. Ryan, did they sweep? Yes. yes. They swept. And we came on the show, yeah. and we're like, this is when the Yankees are going to come back. This is when things are starting to roll. Because it was a back-to-back series where they played well, and the White Sox are a good team. And then from there, they went on and continued to lose games, continued to play basically 500 ball. And now we're in the similar spot here because – they came off a sweep of the Blue Jays, and then I think two out of three to the A's is huge, especially losing Friday, Saturday, that they're down four to one. That like That's a huge turning point, I think, to be able to get the offense going, completely flip the game, win that one, and then, of course, Sunday ending with the triple play and just just an overall well-played game to take two out of three. That's, that's a big series. Don't get me wrong, but I'm still not going to say I'm, I'm truly believing that this Yankees team is, is, is coming back is making a charge because it's only two series you have the Royals coming up so it is a really good chance I think for the Yankees to really gain some ground especially the Rays you mentioned the Rays now in second place they lost six games in a row not playing good baseball right now Yankees are only four back four and a half back 
So they're, I think, in a really good spot. You know, they have the Royals, who they should honestly sweep at the worst win two out of three. And then you have a big matchup with the Red Sox, going to Fenway Park. They haven't played the Red Sox. I mean, they've only played in three games, but they didn't play them well, of course. So that's a huge series heading to Fenway. Um, for me, this Yankees team just has to win series. That's their goal. They, they can't win all. They can't jump to first place after one day. They have to really buy into the process and start. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> they really need to focus on here winning series, getting back in the division, but they can't do it all in one day. They really just have to focus on winning two out of three or maybe even sweeping the bad teams like the Royals. Um, so I, I like where they're headed right now. The offense has definitely shown bright spots. You know, I think Gary Sanchez is, is a big part of that. And, you know, props to him who've gone on a, on a real hot streak right now. Um, so the offense has shown bright spots. But for me, I think they're not consistent enough yet. Uh, for me to say, okay, this is when the Yankees really transition. No, this was a huge week, not even just weekend, the week, because going into it, they were nine back of this division. So they cut it in half in just one week, which is really all you can ask for. Um, Obviously, you're not going to sweep. You're not going to win every game, like you said. But to take two of three from a first place at the time, at least, A's team is huge, especially after losing game one. And in this Blue Jays series, too, they trailed. They've trailed five of the last six games They've trailed eight of their last 10 wins. So they're coming from behind. They're showing life. They're showing spirit, which early in the season, they weren't. They were going down early and they were laying down and they were going to sleep and it was feeble and it was brutal to watch, but they have shown some life like the other day like Sunday, you know, they're down one, nothing. The offense did absolutely nothing through five innings, but you have some confidence just because of the way that they've been playing. You mentioned Gary Sanchez. He, this week, he absolutely carried them. We'll get more into him later. But he had 324, six homers, and in literally every win this week, he was featured in a big way. I think in two, he had two RBIs yesterday in a 2-1 win. He had home runs in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday wins, which were only one-run victories. So you've needed a guy like him who is just nothing, a non-factor the last two years to step up. It's what he's done, especially with Judge, who's hit a, he's hit a little cold streak here, and you're still able to win five of six, so – you know, it was a really nice week for the Yankees because going into it, right, I know it's early, but if they played poorly, if this was a flip, they lost five of six, I think you could confidently say the season was over because they really – they were a 500 baseball team. They were going into Buffalo, which the last two years, they have not played the Blue Jays well, right? They, they lost the season series last year. They lost – they got swept in the Bronx this year. So they have not played the Blue Jays well at all. And to sweep that series, to come back into those games – then to come back after losing game one to the A's where your offense didn't hit at all. Saturday was one of the best wins of the year, I think, for the Yankees because they're down 4-1, as you mentioned. And the way that they won, it wasn't on one home run. It wasn't on walks. It was on big two-out hits. You had Stanton and Judge step up with two outs, something that you have not seen at all. The runners in scoring position this year, they haven't been able to do it, but they were able to do it. The bullpen has been lights out. Maybe we'll get more into that in a second. But right now, you know, the offense has picked it up, I think, since the beginning of June. They've been, like, top five in OPS, something like that. So the offense has shown signs of life. You just need the pitching to stay there. But as you mentioned, Sam, I think the series versus the – you know, you don't want to overlook the Royals here, but that series in Fenway has a chance to be huge because if you're able to take two of three from that series, suddenly this four-and-a-half game deficit, you cut it to two, you're in the middle of June, you're ready to roll. You know, the season is just getting underway at that point. So – 
huge, huge games for the Yankees coming up. Obviously, they're all big now because, you know, they put themselves in a huge hole early. But the way they were able to play this week, it gave me confidence. It should give the Yankees confidence. Luke Voigt back tomorrow, Garrett Cole on the mound. So, you know, I expect things to kind of pick up a little bit. Yeah, I want to bring things back to that four-and-a-half game deficit that you mentioned, Ryan, because I think you brought up a very interesting point, that point being, you know, uh, I think uh, a lot of people expect this Yankee team to – they have the kind of expectations where if they're down by nine games, people expect them to get rid of a nine-game deficit in seven days when they return, which is, of course, unreasonable and ridiculous. And you have to play the amount of games that the Mets have been playing in order to do that. But we'll get into that in just a second. <laughs> but, you, you know, the, the thing is here, there does seem to be uh, – they're definitely on the uphill climb here, but – you know, I think the expectations of the Yankees this year were was so high that it it's not going to all happen with one click. It's ju- it's just not how it's going to be. This week was a very good sign of like this might this might be the time when when we watch this team continue to improve, improve, improve with every week that goes by. And of course that that series with the Red Sox next weekend is going to be very telling. And and when we come back and do an episode of Nosebleeds next weekend, we'll. We will certainly know where that will lead us. But, you know, you also mentioned Gary Sanchez, who, you know, as we talked about, really carried the Yankees this week. is probably the American League player of the week, uh, if you ask me. But, Ryan, I, I want to ask you this first, because, you know, you you get to watch the Yankees a little more closely than, than Sam or, or I, or, or really most people get to. So, it is it, what has changed for Gary in the last, like, week or so that has, has improved things for him? And, and also – you know, as the Yankees continue to try and improve offensively, what is that? Th- what is that thing that needs to to change? Because because all people I'm saying are like, well, they haven't been hitting, but what is the specific thing that keeps them from doing that? Yeah, well, first part you mentioned the last week for Gary Sanchez, but it does go back further. Last 21 games, he is a 1,063 OPS, six homers. So like he has he tweaked his swing a little bit. You know, he, the leg kick and stuff like that. You see, they show side by sides of his swings early in the year versus now, and there is significant difference there. So you hope that the kind of mechanics tweak is what is getting him on track because then then there's no reason he can't continue to hit, right? But, yeah, when you look at why the Yankees haven't been able to do what they are accustomed to doing, obviously the home runs are down across the board. But, yeah, it's been the situational hitting 100%, uh, you know, the two-out hitting, the leadoff double not getting a guy in. We saw a lot of that this weekend still, right? Even with, you know, the positive vibes, there were still a lot of bad yesterday. They had a runner, Gary Sanders hit a triple yesterday. He was not brought in. Stanton couldn't get him in. Clint Frazier had some doubles in uh, Saturday's win. They weren't able to get him in. So it's been that. It's been getting guys over and getting them home. It's really been the struggle. I don't know exactly where they are now, but last show, I think they were like dead last across the board, at least two shows ago, with runners in scoring position. And obviously, that you need situational hitting in this league because when the home runs are down for them and everyone, you know, it, you just need to hit. DJ LeMayu obviously has been like, I know last week I kind of killed him. He didn't really pick it up. He had a few good games at Buffalo, hit a home run in Friday's loss, but he's struggled a ton this year. He's been one of the bigger regress candidates in all of baseball. I think his average is around over 100 points. He's a 364 guy last year. Now it's down in the 250s. So obviously when you have that at the top of the lineup, that's going to really kill you. Labor Torres was a 38 homer guy in 2019. He's been, he's been not that at all this year. You know, his average is still kind of there. He's been like a 270 hitter hovering around there, but he has three home runs on the air. So when that's a non-factor, when DJ LeMayu's been out, 
Obviously, you've had Voight hurt, right? It's it's kind of a collection of things. A lot of guys have underperformed. I did a just for fun. I was you know doing a list the other day. Send it to some buddies of like top five disappointments for the Yankees this year. Top five surprises, and I rattled off like seven disappointments. You know, kind of argued in my mind where to put Clint Frazier, where to put a DJ, where to put a Hicks, and then for the surprises, I got three out of the way, and then it was um, yeah. Who else has been? <laughs> I had to use Aaron Judge's health as number four because he's been healthy all year. And that's been, you know, a nice treat for them. But yeah, so that's kind of been the story of the year and the hitting. And you hope that, you know, with these guys coming back and guys stepping up, that it just improves like that. But I do think the problem goes outside. You have no lefty bat that's a threat at all. You still need another guy who can be what DJ LeMahieu used to be. So they definitely need to improve in other areas. I think, we had a big argument last week on this show about how I thought they should go out the organization, get aggressive, go to the trade market. Mike, our you know, co-host last week, did not think so. But I think they definitely need to stick to that plan. For now, though, you know, keep winning two of three in these series, right? It's hard to say. The bullpen, too, I think also needs a ton of credit because you've had really four guys you can absolutely rely on. And people rip Brian Cashman all the time because, obviously, you know, you look at stuff like the Stanton trade, clearly overkill. You look at him not addressing the rotation, stuff like that, but not many guys like Brian Cashman can find a Lucas Lukey who's been out of the MLB for six years and who's been a legit, you know, seventh, eighth inning guy this year, two, five ERA had some huge outs yesterday. So when you get that, you get a Jonathan Loisica with a one, six, three ERA. That is why they're five games over 500. It's not been, even though the offense has picked it up a little bit, it's not been the offense hasn't really been the starting pitching. It's been the bullpen keeping them, keeping these one run leads, maintaining them. And that's, you know, that you look at that and can that sustain the whole year? Probably, maybe, but you need the offense to pick it up. It's been, it's been the offense. It's been the bullpen the last few years. And the starting pitching is a little better this year, right? You have, you know, Herman struggled, but you still have a Jordan Montgomery, Garrett Cole, you have Seve waiting in the wings. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, no, it's when you look at the offense still, and to go back to your original question, it's they just haven't been able to hit in big situations. You know, they lead the league in double plays this year. They ended Friday's game. They had the tying run at the plate, ended on a double play. So you're going to have to tweak things there. You know, there's no one solution, as you said, right? Because it's been frustrating because you want the Yankees to just flip a switch, go from nine games out of it to tied in one week. But it's not the reality of the sport. They dug themselves a hole. And you're slowly going to have to dig yourself out of it. Luckily, they have 80-plus games to do so. 60-game season, we'd be, you know, we'd be in a world of hurt right now. The season was already 10 games over. This would be really ugly for the Yankees. But they have the benefit of 162 games, and they have to keep playing like they did this week. And if they do that, you know, they will be there at the end of the day. They, this division, I think, it's not going to be easy at all. Obviously, the Rays skid has helped them. But, you know, the Red Sox have shown they're going to compete. So, I think this weekend series is going to be really telling because that's one where you do have legit urgency. It's an in-division rival. It's the team that's leading the division. So you're going to have to keep playing well. You can't let this week slip away. You can't lose two out of three to the Royals. At minimum, win two of those three games, especially at home. So, yeah, while there's good right now for the Yankees, there still is a lot of bad. There's been a ton of bad this year. And it's been a weird year all around, but um, Clint Frazier had a really important quote the other day. I included this in my recap. He talked about how no one said it was going to be easy, and there's ups and downs along the way, which this team certainly has had. But they still believe every bit of that they're the favorite in the American League, which they were going into this year. 
And so as long as they have the confidence and they're playing well, uh, you know, they should be there at the end of the day. Yeah, quickly, just before you jump in, Dylan, the, uh, you know, Ryan, you bring up a great point about the bullpen because that's been the most consistent part of this team so far this year, which is huge. Um, I think if this team does end up competing um, in the playoffs, which, like you said, they think they will, um, the bullpen is going to play a huge role in that. It always has. Um, and then you get maybe a guy like Kluber back who starts to pitch better. Um, Montgomery pitch, continues to pitch pretty well like he did this weekend. Um, and then maybe Severino as well. If you build around that, that's a pretty good pitching staff in general between the rotation and, the, and then the bullpen will pick you up when, when you need it. Um, it's just, you know, the offense being consistent, like we always say. But um, I don't see DJ LeMahieu continuing to struggle for this long. I think he's a really good hitter, uh, to be honest, just like a pure hitter. Um, and I'm shocked that he struggled to this point. So, and then Aaron Judge, of course, struggling too, and your team's still winning games. So, so those two guys, I think, eventually are, are bound to really pick things up um, and, and start to produce like they're supposed to, which they have at times, especially Aaron Judge, you know, has at times produced pretty well. So, but that bullpen, I think, um, you know, being consistent could be a big, a big key uh, down the stretch if this Yankees team, which everyone thinks they will, be competing, whether that be for the division or, or a wild card spot as well. Well, I was just going to tell Ryan, we're out of time now. So I, <laughs> you, you went on for a little bit there. I was impressed you made five minutes out of the half question I asked. <laughs> it was really, I was truly impressed. This Yankees team is a, it's a complicated situation. A lot there, there absolutely is a lot to say. And yes. you know, we can certainly appreciate that. Uh, yeah, but you know, to wrap things up with the Yankees here, there, there is, you know, there are signs of improvement here, but you know, not everything is there yet. You know, the, the pieces haven't figured it out yet. You know, I will, con I will continuously say, I've said this time and time and time again, that perhaps the pressure on the Yankees this year, just to be everything was just too much for them to handle at the beginning of the year. And now they're finally adjusting to things as we get into the, to the dog days of the season, there are other storylines in baseball to focus on. And they can just go out there and win ball games, and that's what the dog days of summer are going to be like for the Yankees this year, I think. But they're trying to get into the first place in the American League East, as we all expected them to. And speaking of first place, let's talk about the other team in New York, who continues to be in first place. They continue to be well above 500. They continue to have a good, solid grip of the National League East at the moment, and that is the New York Metropolitans. They, in the last week since we last spoke, they won three of four at home against the Cubs, and then lost three of four. One of those, uh, two of those games being a day-night doubleheader on Saturday in Washington against the Nationals. But let me ask you, Sam, what did you take from this past week uh, for the Mets? It was a good series against the Cubs, some struggles in Washington, but also some good signs. Yeah, I don't think it's as negative as a lot of people are thinking right now with the Mets. I mean, they still, you know, we say this all year, but they still have four games up in the division. Um, you know, the, there were definitely some good signs. Lindor and his two homer game, I think was huge. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And that's probably what you were alluding to there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely some good signs, obviously not ideal to, to, to lose three out of four to the Nationals who are not a very good team, but now all of a sudden are just kind of everyone after the Mets is just kind of bunched together in the division other than the Marlins. So those, you know, uh, the Phillies, um, Nationals, and Braves are all kind of just bunched together down there. Um, and the Nationals have moved themselves up a little bit with this past weekend. But I'm not too worried about the offense just because they did look very good, like you said, against uh, Cubs, who are a good offensive team. Um, so it, it just seemed like a little bit of a slump over the weekend. Um, just, But maybe it brings a little bit more urgency back to getting, you know, McNeil back, which should be 
I think today, uh, as we record this on Monday, he should be back. And then um, to Porter and Nimmo too, relatively soon. So maybe it's a little more urgency to get those guys back in the lineup. Um, I think it'll be nice to have McNeil. That'll help uh, this offense a little bit. Um, and then the other thing, the other negative for me was Lucchese getting hurt going to the IL because he's pitched really well lately, uh, really, really well. So for me, um, that's a little bit difficult just because the Mets have a ton of games coming up. They have two doubleheaders this week. They have eight games um, in, in a week against uh, the Braves and Phillies, which is a big, big stretch. I mean, two teams, I know they're in second and third respectively, but they're right there in the division. So, and, and I know four games sounds like a lot, but when you're playing – against the same teams in the division, all of a sudden, if you lose three out of four or, you know, even, even split the series, you know, these teams will, will make, make up some ground. So that's not, that's a little concerning, especially with Lucchese not there to kind of add some depth to this starting rotation right now, playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. But this, if any rotation can take a hit, it's the Mets, just because of uh, the fact that they have Stroman, Walker, um, and of course the Grom at the top, um, three really quality starters that are going to go out and get you guys wins just about every time. So, um, you know, the Lucchese injury definitely hurts, but it is, should be minor, which is important to note as well. So um, for me, I guess I'm not too concerned, uh, but this is a big stretch, you know, that, that being said, this is a very important time. Um, a bunch of divisional opponents where the Mets can either space themselves out in the division a little bit or fall back. And all of a sudden, it could become a very close race. In like a week. You talked about something that I think is really important about, you know, they're up four games. It's been just a really solid year. I know this week wasn't great, losing three or four to the Nats and stuff. But, like, the four-game lead, the replace Mets, it's been such a nice story. But it could get – it could go bad really quickly because you have four games coming up against the Braves. You talked about if you lose three or four, if you do get swept, whatever, that lead just vanishes, Right. If you have a bad week, you know, the Braves are three games under 500. I think last week we talked about teams that are disappointed. They were the team I chose. The Braves do have talent. They are not that bad of a baseball team to be three games under. So you do expect at some point they will start winning games. And you hope it's not against the Mets if you're the Mets because, like, you don't – obviously they've done a great job of kind of staying afloat with all these injuries. And you talked about Jeff McNeil coming back. You have Conforto and Nimmo right now both on rehab assignments. So help is on the way, which I think is the positive here, but you can't let this strong start to the air kind of slip away. And you don't want to have to play catch up with all these guys. You want to be able to have the comfort of the lead to let Conforto get back into a groove because he was so huge last year. And this year, obviously he got hurt early into the year, but um, you know, he struggled. And so a guy like Jeff McNeil coming back, right. He's a 319 career hitter, but you know, you got to let him get, let him get into his, shape here and stuff and DeGrom too I think it's really interesting he's supposed to pitch today correct yeah he is yeah you got to keep him healthy no matter what I don't care what it takes because the one thing I think that's worse than like hypothetically here if the Mets were to miss the playoffs from this year to Grom you know that would be really bad to waste one of the all-time seasons in MLB history but I think it'd be an even worse question if we're asking a what if this season you know what were his final numbers going to look like if he maybe pushes himself and goes, gets back too quickly and then gets hurt for real and it becomes a real issue. So I think you need to be careful there, but yeah, it's a huge series for the Mets. Lindor, you talked about the two homer game. It's so funny how, you know, the world of social media kind of shaped baseball because I don't know if you saw the nationals, um, the nationals Twitter account. It's having a field day. First they posted the graphic of uh, 
you know, Lindor and Trey Turner, like, first of all, there are other shortstops in the NL. So that was just a peculiar thing to just only compare the two of them. Clearly Lindor has struggled and Turner has been better, but I don't know why they just, you know, they were taking cheap shot after cheap shot after Lindor. Then they had the office meme where um, they ripped Lindor again. And so it was funny to see him kind of turn it on with two homers against them. Classic, you know, if you believe in karma right there, that's a (laughs) great example for you. And um, even just besides that, it looks like he has turned the corner a little bit. Uh, Last 21 games, you know, 294, 921 OPS. So that's a positive there. You're going to need him to get going. If you get him red hot, once you have all these guys coming back from injury, shaking off the rust, I think that's a really important thing that could, a dynamic, you know, that's why you paid him. That's a, that'd be a really convenient, um, you know, time for him to heat up. But the question that, you know, I kind of wanted to flip this to you guys because, as you said for the Yankees, just like you guys in the Mets, you guys watch a team closer than me. You're covering the team. And I think Dylan talked about this maybe a few weeks ago. And with time has passed, I wanted to know kind of an update on here because obviously the Mets are going to contend this year, right? They're legit contenders. And you're going to need – you're going to probably go out and get a reliever, I assume. I think Steve Cohen had a comment about the luxury tax where he said they would go past it under the right circumstance, which I think is exactly what you want your owner to say. I would love that if I was a Mets fan. But – you know, to go over the luxury tax, what are the pieces you think they should go after? Is it a guy in the lineup? Can you trust these guys to come back? Or would you look at the rotation? That's kind of what I've wondered is like, clearly, right, you want to improve this team. You want to look at the trade market. But what exactly can you pinpoint as the area where the Mets need to improve and get a guy? Well, Ryan, that's a good question. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we've mentioned the, the injuries at the moment, and that keeps us at at right now from really knowing what this team's going to need because you don't really know what they're going to look like come really two weeks from now, I, I would say, because, you know, that's been about the timetable for McNeil, who's apparently going to return tonight, and Conforto and, and Nimmo. Apparently, this is all supposed to be all supposed to be done by July the 1st. Uh, so by that point, we're, we, we may know, but we also are not really going to know before then because, you know, what if something happens to Conforto or, or Nimmo – uh, during their rehab assignments. We don't know yet. In the event that that happens, then I would say, yeah, maybe go for uh, uh, the kind of utility guy who can play a little bit of the infield if he needs to, but mostly an outfielder, perhaps. Um, the bullpen's been pretty good. Maybe one more arm wouldn't hurt, but it, I don't think it's as much of a necessity. Uh, if this Lucchese thing is full-time, uh, then they're going to need another starter. Because uh, that's a lot to ask your bullpen of possibly two out of five days. Uh, going most of the game. It's just too much to ask for. You can't really have more than one opener on your team, uh, if you ask me. So that is, those are my uh, words for the Mets. And of course, also, uh, the worry continues to go a little off topic for a second of, of DeGrom, because, you know, it seems like the Mets are going to trust him and what he says about his injuries. Um, but of course, uh, there, are, there are issues with that. You know, these are there are three separate issues that have been brought up for reasons he's been taken out of his last three or so starts, uh, and they've all been different things. Uh, so that's something that concerns me. But you know, Sam, I'm also curious of your opinion of you know, it's something we have not talked much about. Of what is the right move for the Mets come the deadline? Yeah, I think the the Cohen comment came not as a surprise, but I didn't even really like you said, Dylan. I didn't think too much about the uh, the deadline just because when you're a first place team, that's not your your thought, but. The thing is, is every team can add and get better. So for me, I, my 
my gut re reaction is starting pitching just um, because I don't expect the Lucchese thing to be very long, no. But Carrasco and Syndergaard have been set back in rehab. Uh, Carrasco has been delayed a lot. He was supposed to be come back, I believe, in May um, originally, if not early June. And, and now it's looking like July, maybe even late July. Syndergaard's August. So that is, is a little bit of a concern. I don't know how healthy those guys are going to be when they get back. You're kind of counting on Carrasco to come back and be maybe that number four behind Taiwan Walker. Um, where Joey Lucchese is right now, basically, or was. Um, so for me, that's where I would look. Um, maybe getting a starting pitcher, you know, you don't need an ace, but obviously, but maybe um, a guy for the back end of the rotation that would certainly help. I don't think a bullpen piece may, you know, I'm sure it would help, but the bullpen's been pretty solid, a little overworked, but still pretty solid, I would say. And having Seth Lugo back has been huge for that. Um, and then you could always, yeah, I think the lineup is another thing you could definitely look to address, especially in the outfield. Um, you know, somebody that swings a good bat because the, the Mets, um, you know, offensively, it's still a little bit of a concern with them. Um, but I would first look at starting pitching um, if I were a team, you know, like the Mets uh, as they approach the deadline. But um, yeah, I mean, this team is, uh, I think, coming up to a very big stretch. Um, the DeGrom stuff does worry me, to be honest, a, a good amount. Um, not because of the severity of the injury, but because it's Jacob DeGrom and because we are seeing the exact same story played out that happened a week ago when he um, said something, you know, he came out of, the, out of the start, something was wrong. And then after the game, immediately he said, I'm fine. There's no concern here. I'm going to go through my normal routine and make my start on time. Um, and then that happened and he came out after three innings. And then I think Mets fans wanted to hear something different, but they basically heard the exact same thing. I'm fine. This isn't a concern. And I'm going to come back and pitch on five days rest, which if he's fine, and then that's awesome. But it's becoming a little bit harder to believe now as this is the second time in a row we're seeing the same thing. And, you know, I'm going to be there tonight. So, um, you know, and he's pitching tonight. So, I will definitely have my fingers crossed probably the entire time while he's out there hoping that uh, there isn't any more confusion of what happened to him. Um, you know, that's not a story we want to relive uh, and certainly no Mets fans or anybody in that organization. wants to think about. So I guess that's all we can really say about the Mets at this point. The, the point here being there are some question marks in terms of the trade question, which, you know, Ryan actually threw <laughs> Sam and I off. It's, it's something we both admittedly have not really thought about. And mm -hmm. Sam mentioned it's not really something you think about when you're in the first place. Uh, but that's just what's going on in Met World right now. And of course, you know, as we record this, we are just hours away from Jake DeGrom starting um, a game at home the first time since 2019 that the Mets will play to a full capacity city field crowd. So this will really be something tonight. Um, this might be the night that baseball officially returns. Is how is how I've been saying it to myself. Yeah, I saw you tweet that that baseball's back in New York, but the Yankees have full capacity for this weekend series. No, you, yeah, you, but the full capacity for them is twenty four thousand people. Yeah, I no, mean, I don't know what no, I, It was it was a little disappointing, and you hope it's not because of the way the Yankees been playing. Yeah, I think it's not. I think it's more people hesitant in this post-COVID world to know what things things are going to be like but well, also to, just quickly on that it, it is a double header for the Mets tonight so it yeah. might not be as crowded as you would normally I, I think a Friday night or a Saturday night Jacob deGrom start that with full whenever that may be down the road that I feel like is when you really feel like okay baseball's back 
absolutely. And we will see that as, as time comes. But we have, a, we have a little more time here. And, and there's a topic we want to get to. Because as you have may heard, uh, those of you listening, uh, All-Star Ballots have been open for, I guess, about a week and a half now, something like that, maybe even two. And people have been placing their votes. And, you know, something we, in, in especially in the world of, of, uh, of broadcasting, love to do is figure out who are the who are the guys who should get into the all-star game who might not because they're not on everyone's highest radar not everybody can be not everybody can be vlad guerrero jr not everybody can be el, el nino you, you know what i mean so th- that is a real question here so let's examine i want to ask both of you in the american league and in the national league who is your we'll call him a snub pick who's, who's your potential snub I have, um, I'll start with my American League pick, um, and it's Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox. Who I, I don't think he's, I think he's going to make the team. I, I don't see him as a snub, but he's more of an under-the-radar guy that not a lot of people are talking about. He's having a great season. Um, I think his, his career in Boston at the start, it almost seemed like it was cursed just because he came over with, uh, in that Mookie Betts trade, and everyone was saying, how could you trade? Mookie Betts for Alex Verdugo. How is that the headliner piece? He's going to be nowhere as good as Mookie Betts. Um, he is having a better season than Mookie Betts so far this year. I, I just want to throw that out there. I, I mean, he's not as good of a player. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying he is having a much better season than Mookie Betts so far. And more importantly, Verdugo is playing true to who he is. And that's what he said throughout this whole process. He hasn't tried to be someone he's not. He hasn't came to Boston and said, I'm going to try and fill in for Mookie Betts. No, he's going to try and be Alex Verdugo. And that's what we've seen this year. He's a, he's a very quality player, a young player still, dynamic, great attitude, really, really fun player to watch, fun player, I'm sure, to play with. Um, so for me, that, that's like just like an easy pick for me just because I can see the potential in him. And I really honestly think he can be a perennial. He can be a guy that can get to the All-Star game every year because we're starting to see this year um, it's not – it's, I think it's going to be a trend going forward with how well he's been able to play. And then the National League, you mentioned him earlier, um, of course, in that you know, thing with, with uh, Lindor. And I don't fault Trey Turner personally for it because he's not the one on the, on the Nationals' Twitter. So I'm going to say Trey, uh, Trey Turner in the National League, not getting a lot of press at, at, at shortstop. He's hitting over 300 this year. He's having a very good year. He steals bases. He's a very dynamic player. I'm not going to say he's better than uh, Francisco Lindor, um, but he's a very solid player in, in Washington, but he's really not getting much, much, many all-star votes. It doesn't seem like, you know, you have, of course you got Fernando Tatis in the national league. He'll be the starter there at shortstop. No doubt about that. But then you have Javi Baez and Corey Seager. Corey Seager has been hurt and Javi Baez has had a down year, to be honest. I know the Cubs are playing well, but he's not really playing that well. So Trey Turner, I think deserves more love. I'm sure he'll be an all-star as well. I'm not really, I guess I'm not really picking a snub here, but um, another guy who I think needs to uh, needs a, uh, deserves a little bit more more coverage and maybe some more votes uh, to get him to the All-Star. Yeah, this is like a weird, bumpy road of a take here, but I feel like Lindor kind of hitting those homers helped Trey Turner get a little recognition because then that graphic blew up. I personally had no clue how good of a year Trey Turner was having yep. until Lindor hits the home run, and then all the Met fans are retweeting it, clowning. Yep. So, yeah, no, that's a yeah. good Good picks there. Um, I'm going to stick in the AL, a guy we talked about before. I, I hate to be super repetitive, but he's a guy who I will lead this campaign. I will die with Gary Sanchez making the all-star team. There it is. 
There, there we go. Um, coming I back. Die with Gary Sanchez. He was, he was brutal. He lost his job in the beginning of May to Kyle Higashioka, but he has fought back. He tweaked his swing, as I said, and his ranks amongst the other AL catchers. He's third in homers with 11. He's fifth in RBIs, 25. Second in on base. Second, third in OPS, 820. Second in ones runs created plus at 125. So all his numbers are right there. And if you do take a look at the other AL catchers, Salvador Perez locked to start. Not going to argue that. Mitch Garver's injury opens up the door because then after that, it's really competition between Yasmani Grandal, who's hitting 165, right? I know he's had maybe the weirdest season of baseball because he's he is like a 370 on base. But at the end of the day, he's hitting 165. And Mike Zanino is hitting 193. And if you want to go to the defensive side, because that could be a criticism. One, Gary Sanchez has made the All-Star team before with terrible defense. And he has improved it this year. The pass balls have not been the issue they've been in the past. So, like, that isn't the biggest reason to not get him in. Martin Maldonado right now, he's kind of a defensive wizard. He's third in the voting. He's hitting, like, 150 with a 530 OPS. So, really, if you look at it, Gary Sanchez has the talent to be there, and the numbers are coming. He's been red hot recently. That's what's caused this kind of bump in his numbers, and there's no reason to expect that's going to slow down with it being kind of he's fine-tuning his swing here and there, you know. So, like, I expect him to kind of keep hitting here. Um and yeah, it's kind of funny because like when you when you mention Gary Sanchez being an all-star this year, you know, everyone thinks you're crazy because obviously they remember the struggles. Sam thought it was crazy yesterday when I texted it to him. <laughs> but if you look at the AL, if you look at the catchers, it's been very weak. If they take two guys, I think he certainly is uh, on the bubble there. If they take three, there's zero reason you can make the argument for three catchers in the AL being better. So Gary Sanchez in the AL is my pick. And in the NL – you know, I, I wasn't going into this segment. Obviously, I knew I was going to pick Gary Sanchez, but in the end, I was looking at all the numbers, seeing a guy who snuck up on me, and that's Brandon Belt of the Giants. He's quietly had, like, a really solid career. He's been there forever. He's won a few World Series. He's been a cog in that lineup. He's, he's having a really good year this year, 893 OPS. That's second highest among second ba- first basemen, excuse me. Mac Muncy is having a huge year. But after that, Brandon Belt has been the second best He's won some gold gloves, too. So on the defensive side, he's strong. Second highest on base percentage as well. The Giants have the best record in baseball, too. So he's doing it. He's contributing to winning. The only issue is it's kind of a theme throughout. It's name recognition because obviously with the fan voting and stuff like that, the Freddie Freemans and the Anthony Rizzos are way higher than him in the votes just because those are household names. But he is having better years than both of them. And I think you really can't make the argument for taking anyone besides Max Muncy over him it's going to get weird with you know the thing that it's kind of a dumb rule in baseball I kind of get it but they require every team to have an all-star so you'll have years where there'll be like a 230 hitter on a terrible Mariners team and he'll get in you could see that maybe this year the Dimebacks bring someone undeserving the Rockies so that could maybe mess up Brandon Belt but I feel like just because he isn't a big name he is having a really solid year he's had a really good year I think it'd be deserving he deserves it 100%. Best record in baseball. They should bring Brandon Belt to Colorado in that all-star game. I can understand the frustration over guys like Brandon Belt not getting in because of every team needs a representative. That, that's also kind of why I think uh, being an all-star shouldn't be as big of an accolade as it actually is. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so we won't get into that right now. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you mine, and then we'll wrap things up here. Uh, you know, 
uh, my American League pick is I, I think some uh, someone who's surely going to make the team, and I think he might be his team's uh, one of his team's only representatives uh, out of the Oakland A's. But you know, I was just looking at the the ranking uh, of of voting in the American League at first baseman, and and Matt Olson is nowhere to be found in that top three ranking, uh, which is atrocious. I mean, and it's mostly because he plays for the future San Jose Athletics, and. <laughs> I mean, you look at his they numbers. Call him that now. They, they really should, and just wait for them to move there. Uh, no, he's he's 305, 20 homers, fifty three RBIs. Like, what, exactly. what don't people see in this guy? He he deserves as much this weekend. Yeah, exactly. He deserves as much recognition as anyone in the American League at first base. Um, so th- that that kind of upset me. But my my National League pick uh, is Mike Mike sparked some controversy, uh, but I'm ready to say it. You know, we talked a lot about the replaced Mets, and we've talked about them constantly. And I look at a guy like Jonathan VR, and what he's been able to do in his time at third base, starting at third base for the Mets for it's probably a month and a half now, isn't it? Incredible defensively, solid at the top of the lineup, a, a, a leadoff switch hitting third baseman who has speed and doesn't and like it's not built for speed he's just he's he's a very interesting guy and i would argue if there's any met offensively that deserves to be an all-star right now people might say pete alonzo pete's had had an okay season uh people say francisco lindor lindor's improved jonathan vr has been such an important offensive piece for this mets team for the last you know 45 50 days i think he's an all-star He's almost he's, he's like an offensive MVP for the Mets yeah. so far this year. I will say that because I don't, I don't want to discredit how good he's been for this Mets team. Like like yeah. you said, leading off, playing third base, versatile, great hands, steals bases, does it all. I can see your point. I don't think he's going to get there, though, just because the numbers aren't quite there. But, Here's my I mean, I, yeah. you can finish. Offensive MVP for the Mets. That, that, that's, my, that's my take. Very yeah, my, my one thing, Dylan, as you said, if there was an all-star hitter for the Mets, it would be VR over Alonzo. I mean, the there just shouldn't be one at all. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to rip the Mets <laughs> here. And they've been gritty, and they figured out ways to win. But they just – they don't deserve an all-star in the lineup because they haven't had one. And the numbers for VR – yeah, like, every Mets fan you talk to will gush over them. But overall, they're just not there at all. 720 OPS. I mean, that's, that's below league average. So <laughs> – it's going to be, I mean, if, if you want to lead that campaign, you better bring an army militia with you because that's a tough uphill argument to make. I, I and, and of course, I'm not completely serious about this, but I just want to point out, <laughs> I, I, you, you, you go ahead and to say to a team that's in first place that they have no offensive yeah, uh, all-star in their lineup. Meanwhile, Gary Sanchez has a good like two weeks and you're putting him in the all-star game. <laughs> I'll, I'll I just wanted to I just wanted to make that comparison clear right there. But before you can answer, I'm gonna wrap things up here. It's been a good one. Please watch some baseball this week and come back next week and we'll talk even more baseball as the season continues and we get into the dog days of summer for my partners on this show, Sam Davis and Ryan Gregware. My name's Dylan Balsamo. Take care. See you soon.